What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up? Streaming live right now in a brand new FTJ Studios. It's your host, Addison, man. Welcome to a brand new edition of From the Jump, man. This is episode 86. We are live right now in the mothership, a.k.a. the FTJ Studios. I'm with my engineer, Eric, in the building right now. It's live. It's live. It's been a long time since I've been on air. It's been a long time since I've been in the studio. He's been bugging me like, yo, you got to get back on air. You got to get back to talking your talk. If we need you out here in these streets. It's not the same without you. And, you know, I had to come back. And, I, you know, I got I got to give the people what they want, as Jalen Rose likes to say on his show, Jalen and Jacoby. But, of course, we'd be wrong if I didn't start the show. Shout out my engineer, Eric, on the ones and twos, always looking up the podcast, always producing it for me, always chopping it up, making sure that it gets to all the streaming outlets, iHeartMedia, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere that podcasts can be streamed at, we are there. So if you have not subscribed to us already, definitely go hit the subscribe button on all of those. But I'd be wrong if we didn't start up the show and I didn't give you the breaking news right now. And that is Mohamed Sanu is being traded to the New England Patriots for a second round pick. And I think this honestly is a good move for both sides. I think it's a good move for the Atlanta Falcons. We're seeing the turmoil right now and down there in Atlanta. It's, 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 it's awful. And at the end of the day, Mohamed Sanu being added to the New England Patriots, people, you know, were, were kind of reacting saying that it makes them unstoppable. Again, I don't think this move makes them unstoppable in a sense. But again, I think this adds a big body presence. Again, you know, if they've had injuries all year, Nikhil Harris, I think, Nikhil Harry, I believe they're one of their draft picks, has been injured all year. Again, they, they lost Antonio Brown, or they cut him, rather, you know, basically after one game. Philip Dorsett has kind of been in and out the lineup. Josh Gordon has been in and out the lineup. Of course, we all know Julian Edelman has been in at the lineup. So, again, the receivers for the New England Patriots have kind of been in and out. Like James White, I think last night was the leading receiver for the New England Patriots. So, again, by them going out adding Sanu this morning lets me know that this move was kind of already in the pipeline. And, again, they always get the trades right. They, at the end of the day, they never can draft receivers well, but they're typically able to sign them well, and they're able to get them off of a trade. I think this trade with Atlanta is a solid trade. But now, just getting to the game last night, again, the shutout. Again, again, the shutout against the Jets last night wasn't indicative against the New York Jets last night. And I want to give love to the New York Jets because I actually like the New York Jets. Le'Veon Bell is actually one of my favorite players in the league. Shout out to Chuma. I got a couple of players that I like on the New York Jets. Sam Darnold, my USC quarterback. So a couple of players that I like on the New York Jets. But this game last night wasn't about the Jets. I know everybody today is going to rip Sam Darnold because they were saying that he was seeing ghosts. But again, he's only played, they were saying, 15 games to this point, 16 games to this point. So I'm going to give Sam Darnold some leeway for last night's performance because, again, this is his second game back. You know, from he had the kissing thing, you know, the a.k.a. mono for the past four weeks. But this was more about New England's defense. And, and I've been saying this kind of off air, but now that I'm on air, I'll, I'll be able to say it live. This New England defense is for real. This New England defense, I've said really going back to last year, and if you go back to any of my podcasts from dating back from last year, I've said it. This New England defense is for real. What Belichick has decided to do in this past happy era with the Sean McVay's and the Kyle Shanahan, everybody with these innovative offenses, they said, you know what? We're going to do the exact opposite. We're going to play sound defense. We're going to run the football, and we're going to make every single game that you play against us ugly. And that's what they've done. They had four turnovers last night. When you can get multiple turnovers in a game, and every week, when whether or not it's special teams, they have turnovers, whether or not it's interceptions returned for touchdowns, every week this New England defense somehow, some way, turns these quarterbacks over. And again, a lot of people are going to say, they're going to look at their schedule and be like, well, New England doesn't have a quality win to this point. Again, they have only beaten 
you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Miami Dolphins, New York Jets twice, Buffalo, Washington, and the New York Jets. I'm sorry, the New York Giants. So, again, a lot of people can say, well, the New England Patriots have not played a quality opponent, but we will see. This coming Sunday against the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield comes to town. Once again, we will find out coming Sunday, we'll find out just how for real this New England Patriots defense is. Everybody can keep saying that they haven't really played anybody. And again, I'm not going to say that they haven't played anybody, but when you can shut people out 33-0 to on their field, in their home, and this is twice because they did it at Miami and they were able to do it last night in New York, this says a lot about that defense. And again, on Sunday, again, on Sunday, they play the Cleveland Browns, Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield come to town after they've had a whole week to prepare. We'll see just how great this New England defense is, but shout out to the New England Patriots. They were able to get that win last night, 33-0 against the New York Jets. But, of course, starting off today's show, and, of course, we got a lot to get to. We'll, we'll talk about the Dallas Cowboys and, of course, that dominating victory over the Philadelphia Eagles, a.k.a. the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll also talk about Lamar Jackson and how he was able to dominate Seattle and why I feel like Lamar Jackson actually should be in the MVP conversation. Of course, we'll talk about the NBA. Of course, you know, the NBA in China had their little fallout and why I feel like somebody should be held accountable in this NBA situation. But, again, we'll get into that a little bit later. But it's, it's your boy. It's from the jump. But it's another episode of From the Jump. Let's get into it. The Dallas Cowboys defeated the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday night football, 37-10, behind a hell of a performance behind Dak Prescott, 21 for 27, 239 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Again, for the Carson Wentz, Philadelphia Eagles, Carson Wentz, for the other quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, Carson Wentz was 16 for 26, 191 yards, one touchdown, and also one interception. And Ezekiel Elliott, who played like a man-child on Sunday Night Football, 22 carries, 111 yards, and one touchdown. And again, getting to this game against the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles, and I haven't been on air all season long, so this is my first time being on air. And it really feels so good because I've been chomping at the bits to get to talking about the NFL football and what the hell really has been going on in the league but this game, Sunday night, proved to me once and for all that the Dallas Cowboys, to this point, and really have been for the past couple years now, are better than the Philadelphia Eagles. And from the start of the game, Doug Peterson, early on in the week, trying to came out with the predictions, as we all know, fell flat on his face. And again, when the Dallas Cowboys are completely healthy, because a lot of people were giving them flack, and I've been telling people off air pretty much all season long, when the Dallas Cowboys are healthy, a.k.a. the boys... When the hot boys are healthy, I don't think there's a team in the league outside of New England to this point. And the 49ers right now look very, very disrespectful. I mean, the 49ers are for real. I mean, they're winning basically by playing defense. They haven't even really put together a, a, a sure offensive clinic yet, but they're just winning purely off defense. Joey Bosa, Richard Sherman, Kyle Shen. I mean, the 49ers are for real. So are the Packers. And, and don't sleep on the New Orleans Saints. But just getting back to the Dallas Cowboys, when I feel like they're at health, when Lyle Collins, when Tyron Smith, when the offensive line is intact, when Amari Cooper, when the guys are healthy, I don't think there is a team in the NFC that can beat the Dallas Cowboys. And again, this game against the Philadelphia Eagles, they were able to dominate them in the time of possession. And again, in football, there are three things you have to have to win a football game. Now, there are other ways to win games, but for the most part, if you're able to control the clock, if you're able to control the ground, a.k.a. the rushing, right? And, they, and also the turnovers. If you're able to control the clock, you're going to win the game. And AKA controlling the clock is running the football. So the teams that are at the top of the league, Baltimore, the Dallas Cowboys, those teams that are at the top of the league in rushing, control the clock, AKA time of possession. 
And then on top of time of possession, as I said, able to run the football. Are you able to control the ground? Because if you can control the ground, you're going to be able to control the air. And as we were able to see, Dak Prescott was able to have a field day against that Philadelphia Eagles secondary. And again, the, 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 the reason why the Philadelphia Eagles are having problems to this point is because even the year when they won their Super Bowl, the offense wasn't even their strong suit of their team. It really was their defense. And they were able to get Fletcher Cox and Michael Bennett, and that, that front seven was able to get pressure. So as a result, Michael Jenkins and that back end was able to play Ronald Darby. A lot of those guys, Jalen Mills, were able to look a lot better because of the fact that they, they had a hell of a front seven. But now that Fletcher Cox and those guys have not been healthy and or have not been able to create that, generate that pressure like they've had. And again, I also thought losing Michael Bennett and Chris Long, those two losses, you know, were key losses for that Philadelphia Eagles defense. So now that those guys were gone, they're not able to generate that kind of pressure. So as a result, their secondary looks bad. So I know everybody puts it all on the Philadelphia Eagles secondary. And again, that secondary is horrible. Let's be clear. That secondary is horrible. However, the front seven has not been able to generate that same type of pass rush that they were able to two years ago when they were able to win that Super Bowl. Again, it was a sack. That one sack all night long. They were able to get to Brady all night long. It was that one sack that ultimately caused the fumble that gave the Philadelphia Eagles that victory. Now, with that being said, leads me to my next point, and it's about Carson Wentz. But now getting to my next point, and that's about Carson Wentz. At the end of the day, Carson Wentz has to deliver. I know people have been making excuses since Carson Wentz' rookie year when he got injured and when he was supposed to win the MVP, but he never won the MVP, supposedly, that he was supposed to be this thing, and the Philadelphia Eagles were able to extend him. But to this point this season, again, there have been injuries. Nelson Aguilar has been in and out the lineup. Nelson, I'm sorry, not Nelson Aguilar. Alshon Jeffrey has been in and out the lineup. Of course, Deshaun Jackson not being there has been a big problem as well. But again, that offensive line has not been good as well. The offensive line has not been good. So as a result, they have not been able to run the football. And I thought, like I said, when they had LeGarrette Blunt and when they had Jay Ajayi, when they were able to really give you that two-headed monster of kind of like smash and dash, if you will, that made their pass game lethal. That what made Aguilar lethal. That what made Alshon Jeffrey lethal and ultimately Sam Ertz lethal. We know how lethal those weapons are, but if you're not able to run the football, and again, give credit to Dallas' defense. Dallas' defense showed up and they showed out. At this very moment right now, Philadelphia got to eat the crow. I'm sorry. Dak Prescott. I'm sorry. Not Dak Prescott. Dougie Peterson. As Skip Bayless said, Dougie prediction yesterday on, on, on Undisputed. He got to eat those words because at the end of the day, he predicted that they were going to go down to Dallas and that they were going to beat the Cowboys. Now, whether or not he said it, said it or didn't say it, that's what he said, that we're going to go to Dallas and we're going to win the game. And they didn't do that. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles are now going to have to go back to the drawing board and they're going to have to figure out what type of team that they want to be. As I said all along, their strong suit was always their defense. But again, when you've had not been able to get pressure up front, that puts a lot of pressure on your back end to make plays. And that was always the Eagles' weakness from the very beginning was their back end. So let's give the Dallas Cowboys a lot of credit. As I said, 4-3, and three, number one in the division, going into the bye week. <laughs> Dallas gets all the credit. But keeping with the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens were able to defeat the Seattle Seahawks 30-16 to behind Lamar Jackson's, I mean, just brilliance on the ground. I mean, if you didn't watch this game Sunday, I mean, you missed a treat. Now, every week they keep saying Lamar Jackson has to prove himself week in, week out to this Baltimore Ravens team. But I believe Lamar Jackson has already done that. Now, he did finish the game with the horrible, ugly stat line passing, which was 9 for 20 with 143 yards. But it didn't help that he had a lot of drops around the yard 
on Sunday as well. But again, it was raining in Seattle. So, I mean, of course, you know, when it's raining, you got to expect drops. As a quarterback, that's just what comes with the nature of the game. But as Lamar was able to do, and I think what Baltimore was able to do and figure out was because of the fact that it was raining, we're not going to make him throw the ball 41 times. We're going to run him. And I think that's what they did. Now, a lot of times you may not see Lamar Jackson run the ball 14 times in a specific game, but this specific game against Seattle was what was needed. And I think Seattle just didn't have an answer for it. They didn't know how to prepare because I don't think they truly prepared because I don't think anyone can prepare for Lamar Jackson because he isn't a great thrower but can throw the football. But at the same time, you have to be prepared for the run because he can run and he can have games like he did on Sunday against you and dominate. I mean, that fourth and two play, when he basically told Harbaugh, no, we ain't kicking the field goal. I mean, basically, when they called that timeout and they made the field goal unit come off the field and they put him in the game, I said, oh, John Harbaugh got some cojones going on because I'm like, yo, this is a fourth and two play. Because I remember the play right before that, it was like, I think it was like a third and 16 because they had just got the delay of game penalty. And then he was hot. And he had just picked, basically, he picked up the first down. And I was like, oh, they got to go for it at this point. They got to go for it. And they, what did they do? They called the timeout, pulled the team off, ran the, field, uh, the offense back on the field, and Lamar Jackson stuck it in there. And I said, that right there is a statement moment in an MVP-like season. When you can have moments like that where you can basically make your field goal unit come off the field, you bring the starting offense back on the field, and y'all convert. That's trust. So you didn't just get the first down. He scored. That was trust. That was trust right there, man. Shout out to Greg Roman, who was Colin Kaepernick's um, offensive coordinator when Kaepernick was at his best with the 49ers. And I think we're starting to see that now with Greg Roman in, in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, that he's starting to slowly but surely open up that playbook, slowly but surely allow Mark, I'm sorry, not Mark, allow Lamar Jackson to be that athlete and be that Heisman Trophy quarterback that we saw at Louisville for two straight years. And they can beat you so many different ways. And of course, the addition of Marcus Peters is huge for the Baltimore Ravens. I already thought this defense was up there, I didn't think this defense was elite, but I think adding a guy like Marcus Peters, I think it changes scenery for Marcus Peters. You know, of course, he a Cali dude from Oakland, but at the end of the day, playing for the Rams is basically like you playing for the, you know, for the state team, if you will. Him being in Baltimore, being now in a defense, whereas they're going to utilize his skill set and allow him to play that play that number one corner style football that he likes to play. Of course, you got Earl Thomas on the back end. I mean, this defense is scary. Marlon Humphrey on the other side. This defense is scary, y'all. I believe they have a bye week coming up this week, but the following week they get New England at New England, and we'll be able to see Lamar Jackson head-to-head versus Tom Brady, but we'll also be able to see that New England defense, you know, go against that Lamar Jackson offense, and also we'll be able to see that Baltimore defense, I'm sorry, that Baltimore defense with the addition of Marcus Peters against that Tom Brady-led offense because right now these are the two best teams in AFC. Again, Patrick Mahomes is hurt, and we'll get into that in in an episode, you know, later on this week. But because of the Patrick Mahomes injury, really kind of makes Baltimore that next best team. I wanted to give it to Houston, but <laughs> I don't trust Houston. So right now, it's it's New England, of course, above everybody in the AFC. And then right after that, I got to give it to Baltimore. But shout out to Baltimore Ravens for getting that victory in Seattle on Sunday, 30-16. to 16. It's always a blessing to be back in the building, man. I'm back in the podcast. I'm back in the studio. I've been gone for a minute. You know, I got to take a step back. Had to get my mind right. But also, I've been watching sports. At the end of the day, sometimes 
you know, we talk about it as much as we talk about it on these podcasts and on these sports shows. You also have to watch the games. And I think that's what a lot of people get away from is they don't watch the games as much. They kind of follow it on Twitter or social media. So as a result, they kind of just see highlights and they don't see the totality of the game and how it transpires. And of course, sports is a live action event type of game. So you have to watch it in the moment. Otherwise, you missed the moment. But of course, keeping with the live sports action, as we all know, the NBA season does return tonight. And of course, the New Orleans Pelicans and the Toronto Raptors will be the first game, but it'll be a little sour. Of course, Zion Williamson won't be in action. And as we all know, Zion Williamson did undergo knee surgery and he will be out for the next six to eight weeks. Now, of course, this is the New Orleans Pelicans did announce this yesterday afternoon. I believe the New Orleans Pelicans were prepared for this. I believe that the reason why they traded for Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and also they were able to get Josh Hart and they were able to get an overload of talent back was because of the fact that situations like this, they didn't want to basically be all in on one guy. You know, of course, they were able to get them off the trade from Anthony Davis. But in a case like this, whereas Zion Williamson is hurt, your franchise isn't under the boat. We've seen a lot of times where the Philadelphia 76ers were trapped when Ben Simmons was hurt and when Joel Embiid was hurt. And of course, Blake Griffin at the time was hurt or or in a case in point where like Greg Oden, where like a big number one pick was hurt. Anthony Bennett, we've seen that. So, again, this isn't anything new where the number one overall pick was hurt coming into the season. But I think for the New Orleans Pelicans, I think they are able to take the blow a little bit and they were able to deal with it a little bit easier because of the fact that they have Alonzo Ball, who's been in the league, you know, basically two years now. They've had Brandon Ingram, who's been in the league you know, going, I believe, fifth year now. You know, Josh Hart has been in the league three years now. So they've had some guys. Drew Holiday is still there. They've had Jaleel Okafor. So they have guys there in the New Orleans Pelicans right now that are ready to go and ready to compete right now in the Western Conference. And so they're not all riding on Zion Williamson and they're not riding on him being available game one for their season to be a success. But we also have to give credit where credit is due. The Toronto Raptors were the NBA champs last year. And we could say what we want to. They were able to sign Pascal Siakam, I think, which was huge because I think had they not able to sign him, he was going to be a huge free agent. And somebody was going to be able to snatch him again. That was a guy who they were able to develop, you know, kind of in their, you know, league, if you will, kind of like in their understudy. And somehow, some way he became, you know, a household name. But of course, with the departure of Kawhi Leonard, will this Toronto Raptors team be the same? Will Nick Nurse be able to coach this team? back to the Eastern Conference Finals and ultimately back to the NBA Finals, you know, to defend their championship will be a question mark. Because again, as I said, last year we were we saw it was kind of Kawhi Leonard or bust, literally. I mean, Kawhi Leonard kind of carried them to the championship. You know, there were moments in time where Kawhi Leonard, I'm sorry, not Kawhi Leonard, where Kyle Lowry did not play well in the playoffs. I mean, did not play well, didn't score points. So there were moments last year when Kawhi Leonard literally was carrying the team. But in the NBA Finals, of course, it was Serge Ibaka's emergence. It was Pascal Siakam balling out. It was Fred Van Vliet hitting those tough shots. I mean, it was a total team effort. I mean, I think Nick Nurse ultimately was making adjustments as the series went along. I don't think Steve Kerr in that specific series was making the proper counter adjustments to Nick Nurse. And again, like I said, defensively, the Raptors were everywhere against the Warriors. The Raptors were long last year. So again, the Toronto Raptors coming back into the season are coming back into the season with the mindset that they still feel like they're one of the best teams. Again, they were able to keep Mark Gasol. Again, Serge Ibaka will be coming back. Norman Powell was a big factor for them last year. Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry. Again, as, as bad as he played, is Kyle Lowry is now an NBA champion. So, again, we have to give the Toronto Raptors credit. That's will be the first game of the night. But also, as we all know, the Lakers and the Clippers will be beginning their new rivalry. 
And again, this is the debate that everybody has been talking about all summer, of course, with Kawhi Leonard now being on the Los Angeles Clippers and also Paul George being the Los Angeles Clippers, but also the Lakers and the Pelicans able to make the trade after the season, you know, for Anthony Davis to be on the Los Angeles Lakers. This is what everybody wants to see. This is the game that everybody's been talking about. This is the rivalry that everybody has been saying will be the Western Conference Finals this year. And of course, when everybody dubs, you know, I remember when LeBron first went to the Lakers and it was supposed to be the Warriors versus the Lakers in the conference finals. And we never saw that. The Lakers didn't even make the playoffs last year. So again, I think realistically this year for the Los Angeles Lakers, the expectations is they should be a third or fourth seed at best. Third or fourth seed at best. As I said, once Paul George is healthy, along with Kawhi Leonard, I think the Clippers will be honestly one of the top two teams in the Western Conference. Again, I'm a Golden State guy, so I'm always going to say my Golden State Warriors. Until we've been knocked off, we are the Western Conference champs. You know, I know my boy went to the New York Nets. I'm sorry, the Brooklyn Nets. And again, we'll get into that in a different episode. But I still feel like with Steph Curry and also with the addition of D'Angelo Russell, I still feel like my boys are right there. But keeping with the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers game, I think this is going to be a test. Again, Kawhi Leonard will be without Paul George early on, but he still will have a Lou Williams. He still will have Patrick Beverly, Montrez Harrell. Again, this was the Los Angeles Clippers team that played the Golden State Warriors tough in that first round. Again, this was Patrick Beverly and Kevin Durant battling. I'm talking like that. I mean, Kevin Durant was being checked by Patrick Beverly. I mean, of course, Kevin Durant did drop 30 on his ass. So again, he did give him buckets. But the point still remains that Patrick Beverly was literally guarding Kevin Durant. And we were saying for the Los Angeles Clippers, all that thing they needed was that one guy. And it literally was Kawhi Leonard. The whole time I had been saying, I think Kawhi Leonard is going to go to the Clippers. I think Kawhi Leonard would be perfect on the Clippers. This would be the perfect addition for the Clippers because that was the only thing that they're missing. But now we'll be able to see, is Doc Rivers still that championship coach that he was in Boston? Or, you know, did the Hollywood, did the L.A. life kind of get to him? And as a result, you know has kind of took it down a notch. We'll be able to see that. But on the flip side, as great as, you know, Anthony Davis is going to be for the Los Angeles Lakers, if he can stay healthy, and also, the, you know, this year with LeBron James, of course, departure of Kevin Durant to the East, you know, will make, I think, a, a better season for LeBron. Again, last year, first year in L.A., getting hurt. A lot going on for LeBron. He kind of wanted to establish himself in L.A. Okay, cool. We'll give LeBron that pass. If that's what it's going to be, We'll give LeBron last season a pass because they didn't make the playoffs at all. And he was Taco Tuesday all summer long. And so, okay, cool. We gave him that filming movies. But now that the season is back, now that the season is back, all the Taco Tuesdays and the pina coladas and the all that goes out the window because now it's about ball. And at the end of the day, when I look at this, when I look at this roster, and even before I get into the roster, but just looking at the schedule, you know, their first couple games are going to be tough. You know, the first game is at the Clippers. So there's not it's not a Staples Center Lakers home crowd. It's going to be a Clippers home crowd. And then they do get the first game, you know, basically the second game at home against Utah, which they're saying this is supposed to be Utah's best team with the addition of Mike Conley to that Utah Jazz team with Donovan Mitchell and also Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles. You saw that they were able to give Quinn Snyder an, an extension for the next couple of years. They're saying that this is supposed to be the best Utah team since Malone and Stockton. Now, we'll see it. Me, I'm seeing to believe it, guy. But that would be a tough game for the Lakers. The new look Charlotte Hornets with Terry Rozier, Memphis Grizzly with the rookie John Morant, and then they get the three-game road trip with Dallas, San Antonio, and Chicago. So for the first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games, you know the Lakers could very well go seven and zero. They could very well go. I could literally see them going six and one. 
Um, I can see them going four and three, possibly. I do see wins against Memphis. I see wins against Charlotte. And they may probably get their first win because they're going to lose tonight. They're going to lose tonight against the Clippers. I think Kawhi Leonard coming off his championship. Um, what do we want? Coming, I think Kawhi Leonard coming off his championship season last year will continue to keep playing that championship level basketball. Again, like I said, in the Western Conference now, no Kevin Durant in the West. Basically coming back to establish himself. Paul George will be out for the first, I believe, month or two. So he's going to have to carry the Clippers. And I think this Clippers team, as I said, that was already ready to go. And I think, the, like I said, the Lakers, they'll lose tonight against the Clippers. But I think against Utah, they'll be they'll get a win against Charlotte and against Memphis. And then, of course, you know, going to Dallas with Luka and, and Porzingis now. So, again, the Los Angeles Lakers schedule, you know, starting off is, is, is rough. Then they got to go to Chicago. And then they got the new look Miami Heat. Then it's Toronto. Then it's Phoenix. And then they get to go play the Western Conference champs and go to state. So, again, this Los Angeles Lakers team is going to have their work cut out for them. But, when, like I said, when I look at this roster, you know, without Kyle Kuzma starting off, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are going to have to carry the load. Again, they lost DeMarcus Cousins already early on in, in the season. You know, so for me, where is that scoring going to come from? Is it going to have to come from Avery Bradley? Is it going to have to come from Catavius Caldwell-Pope? Danny Green is going to have to make shots this year. Dwight Howard, for better or for worse, is going to have to play like the Dwight Howard that he actually was playing like in L.A. prior to him leaving. And, of course, that Houston, Dwight, and then, of course, him getting lost in the shuffle. But Dwight Howard is going to have to go back to that, that level of basketball where he was dominating the glass and then he was getting all put-back points and all dunks. Because as it stands right now, as I said, without Kyle Kuzma, the, the scoring burden early on is going to be on LeBron James, and it's also going to be on Anthony Davis to score basically 30 apiece every single night. And then everybody else is going to just have to fill in from that point going forward until Kyle Kuzma gets back. And again, on the on the Lakers' side, Frank Vogel being a new coach, we're going to see how good of a coach he really is. Though they have Jason Kidd as an assistant coach, I want to see how that relationship is going to mesh. But it's a lot going on for this Los Angeles Lakers team, and I know everybody wants them to be good, and I think they will be good this season. I don't think they will win a championship. As it stands right now, the Los Angeles Lakers and the Clippers are headed for a date tonight. And somebody got to win and somebody got to lose. It's going to be a hell of a game. I'm going with the Clippers tonight. I'm going to go Clippers 114-109 over the Lakers. I think it will be a tough game in the end. But I think Kawhi Leonard shows up, balls out tonight. I also think Lou Williams will have a good game tonight. Lou Williams, look out for that. But I think the X factor in tonight's game will be Montrez Harrell on the boards. I think Montrez Harrell on the boards against Anthony Davis. Because Anthony Davis is going to have to bang. He's going to have to bang. Somebody's going to have to get those rebounds and it ain't LeBron James. So... With that being said, Montrez Harrell will be tonight's X-Factor in the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Clippers game.